You're listening to teaching from the Word of God, provided by Black Forest Chapel. This is the church where you will find biblical teaching and authentic worship with family and friends. We are located in Black Forest near Monument and just north of Colorado Springs, Colorado. We invite you to join us this Sunday. Find our location, worship times, and more at blackforestchapel.org. Good morning, church. So is it just me, or does everyone feel kind of low? Is everyone a little, a little fatigued this morning? I can kind of feel it. Uh, I think the... Um, Kind of all the adrenaline from the election and then the additional COVID stuff. We just, we're just tired, right? And we're supposed to be tired after turkey, not before turkey. But we're, we're already tired. So we're going to ask the Lord to wake us up and uh, encourage our hearts to refresh us, to give us strength, to give us zeal yet again as we open His Word this morning. So uh, if you'll pray with me, we'll open God's Word. <clears throat> Father, we thank you for your presence in our life always, that you never leave us, you never depart from us, you never forsake your people, ever. You called us out of bondage, Lord. Just as you called your people out of Egypt, you've called us out. And Lord, you don't just leave us, you sustain us, you you lead us, you guide us, Lord, you protect us, you provide for us in every way, you bring us comfort. And so, Father, we ask that you would do that this morning, that you would help us. Uh, we desperately need you. Lord, we're just a tired people <laughs> that have to walk in this dark world, and um, when you hit your foot a few times, Lord, it just, it just hurts, and you just want to sit down for a while. And I pray you would help us to rest in you and not in other things. You would help us to rest in your word. Uh, you would help us to, to listen through your Holy Spirit to speak. Father, you, in, you indwell us by your Spirit, Lord, and you ask us to be on mission, to move forward, to bring you glory in this world, even when we're tired, Father. And as we um, looked at some scripture this morning, Lord, you renew our strength. You're the one that, that lifts us up, Lord, so that we can, even when we're growing faint, Father, you help us to not only walk but to run, but to soar, Father, because you're our God. And you can do that. And so we ask you to do that this morning. Open our minds to your word. Help us to understand. Help us to apply it to our lives, to obey. Give us strength and energy, Lord, not just to get through the holidays and to get through the week, Father, but to truly worship you in spirit and in truth. Help us to sing out throughout our days, Father, the praises of your glory. Help us to bring your word to bear on all that we're doing, Father. Even when we're tired and our eyes are growing dim, Father, help us to the last thing that we look at before we fall asleep would be your word. We'd be encouraged. So Lord, lift us up this morning, not just so that we might be strong, but so that we might be um, strong enough to praise your name, to live for you, to bring you glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, please turn to Exodus chapter 13. And um, just as we just kind of um, kind of a end thought to what I was just talking about with fatigue, I've had a really rough week, um, a lot of health-related issues, and 
Um, and there are things that, that we'll get through. Um, I'm not hopeless, let's put it that way. I'm not in despair. It just was a tough week. And uh, one of the things that I forget to do, but one of the things I did this week, or maybe I don't forget, I just don't want to, I don't want to bother other people. I hear that a lot from from other believers. I just didn't want to bother you. I just didn't want to burden you. I, didn't, I reached out to, to my brothers, to the elders, and I asked for prayer. And I said, I'm not doing very well. I need you guys to pray for me. And they responded back quickly, and they, they prayed for me. And although I'm still a bit wobbly this morning, um, it wasn't that my body was necessarily strengthened uh, through their prayers, but my, but my spirit was, my, my heart was, my desire to, to preach the word was. So I'm just thankful for that. So if you are low, if you feel like you're struggling right now, reach out to someone, ask for prayer. And if you need prayer and you don't know who to reach out to, come talk to me after the service. Uh, I'd, I'd love just to pray with you. So please uh, accept that invitation. Don't walk away thinking you can handle it on your own. You can't. So we're God's people. This is what we do together. Well, that being said, in uh, chapter 13 of Exodus, we're, we've been walking through this story, and the, the people of God are, are, have left Egypt, and they're in uh, uh, Sukkoth, and, and God was uh, finalizing some of the ways that he wants them to remember um, this great salvation, this great deliverance. And so the Passover was a big one that we've talked about, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and then the consecration of the firstborn, that God redeemed the firstborn, that he's redeemed us, that there's a price has been paid. And so we no longer belong to ourselves, we belong to him. And, and so he was taking ownership of the firstborn of Israel. And we see this great picture of Christ redeeming us on the cross, and that we now belong to him, and that should bring us great... Uh, great peace this morning. But as we begin in chapter, I'm sorry, um, chapter 13, verse 17, 17 through 22, so just actually kind of a short section (laughs) compared to what we've been reading lately. As we begin here, um, I just want to look at the first verse as it connects to the verse before it. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go. Now, normally we would just read past that. We would read over it. We would like, okay, Pharaoh let the people go. And and maybe if we just kind of dove into the story right here, we're thinking Pharaoh, we think king, we think power, we think majesty, we think God-like. That's, that's how he saw himself. And so he says, when Pharaoh let the people go, okay, Pharaoh did this, right? But if you look at the verse before it, and this is why context is important. It says, for by a strong hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. And so as I was starting to study this, I had to stop there, and I spent a lot of time there when Pharaoh let the people go. Because hopefully now when we read that, we read it differently. If you've been following along and studying with us, when it says, when Pharaoh, Pharaoh let the people go, why did he let the people go? We have to ask, the, why? Because of what God did. Because God brought his mighty hand, his outstretched arm. He had blow after blow, plague after plague, punishing, judging the Egyptians and Pharaoh and the gods of Egypt. He was showing who he was, these mighty works, these mighty wonders. He wanted to make sure that Egypt knew and that Israel knew that he is God. He's the only God. He's the great I am. He's it. There's none other like him. He is high and lifted up. He inhabits eternity. All these things we've been talking about. And so when we read that line, we should read it theologically. We should read it with a focus on God. Pharaoh let the people go, but why? Because God said so. 
Right? This was God's plan. This was God's promise, and God fulfilled it. And so God is faithful. This is how we should be reading Scripture, based on God's character, his being, based on his perfections, all of his attributes. He's the faithful one. Sometimes we come to Scripture, I just want to, I just need something for me right now. Right? What you need to know is who God is. That will give you everything you need for the day. Right? So we focus on his words and his works and all the wonders that he's done and all his promises and his power. And then we understand who, what the sovereignty of God is. And like Spurgeon said about God's sovereignty, it becomes the, the pillow on which Christians can rest their heads. Because God's in control. We don't have to fear. We can truly rest in him. And so when I read that Pharaoh let the people go, I see God as a victor. I see God prevailing. And so when I walk away from that, even that one little line, that first verse, when I walk away from that and I turn the news on or I talk to a friend or I, I go to work or I do something and there's a difficulty or the, I read the headlines and the news and they're not very good. They keep getting worse and worse. Right? By the end of that, that news cycle, by the end of my conversation, I can remember that God will prevail. His promises are good. He's the faithful one. Because I'm reading the word of God. I'm understanding who my God is. So we can read when Pharaoh let the people go, but hopefully you have a different view of that now. Why did he let the people go? Because God said so. Right? So let's read on. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God surely will visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved on from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud and led them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. And so the focus for this morning, for this short passage, is that God goes before us. God goes before us. He never departs from us. He never forsakes us. He is always faithful. Right? He called his people out of Egypt. He didn't call them out of Egypt and put them on the, the, kind of the, the border of the desert and say, okay, go ahead, good luck. Right? He's with, he goes before them. He, he sees everything that's ahead. He sees all the dangers, all the problems, all the potential. He knows their hearts. He knows what, what they're prone to do and what they're prone not to do. He knows all those things. So he's such a loving, caring father in this picture of him taking them out and going before them. We can take rest in that, that our Heavenly Father, who's called us out of bondage by the blood of Christ, that we have faith in Jesus Christ, that we belong to him now, that we belong to him for eternity, that God's not just letting us wander around the wilderness of this world, that we're not just sitting in darkness, right? that we're not just bumping into all the corners, that we don't have to figure out our own path, we don't have to figure out our own, like, where, where do I need to go? What do I need? It's not for us to figure out. We trust him. We ask the Lord, what is your will, Father? And we abide with him day after day, and we follow him. Right? The, the only... 
The only way that the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire are helpful is if God's people follow it. If they sit in one spot and just want to be entertained by these pillars, that's not God's heart. That's not what he's there for. He's, he wants to take them somewhere. And so as Jesus has called us as his people, he says, follow him. And so we are to follow him. And he gives us everything we need along the way. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But God goes before us. We see this in the first section. So verses 17 and 18. When Pharaoh let the people go, and, and we know why, right? We celebrate that. God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led the people around the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And so that was the closest path. If they just would have headed north, the way of the sea, the great sea, the Mediterranean, that was the quickest route. Many, many scholars believe that they could have probably gotten to the promised land in about two weeks, a couple weeks. Right. That was the easiest way. It was the closest way. It was the shortest route. But God said, well, you're not ready for that yet. If you go through the land of the Philistines, if you see war, you're going to turn around and want to go right back to Egypt. So in God's care and his provision, he took them a different way. And so the first point here is that the necessary way is not always the nearest way. The necessary way, the, the way that God has us for us, the best way for us as his children is not always the shortest way. It's not always the nearest way. It's not always the way, one that we, we always think we know better, right? God, I, I just need to go right here. This is where I want to go. I'm here. Just, I'm just going to go here, right? This is it. I'm, I'm done. Lord, this is just easy. Just let me go there. I'm ready for it, Father. And God says, no, my, my, my young child, you're not ready. My young son, Israel, you're not ready. You're going to turn around. And he had good cause for this. If we look at Numbers chapter 14, so after he takes them through the desert, and about a year later, when he sends the spies into Canaan, and Caleb comes back, and Joshua comes back, they give a good report. Yes, we can do this. Let's take them. Right? They're getting all their gear on. They're getting ready to go. And the other spies are like, no, this is, this is not good. We're going to get crushed. We're like little ants. We're like nothing to these. We're, we're, we're insects to these, these great nations in here. And so the people start to fear, and then they rebel. And in Numbers 14, it says, Then all the congregation raised a loud cry. This is verse 1. And the people wept that night. I mean, they had all their hopes in this place. And they're looking not at God, but they're looking at their, their obstacle, these people in front of them. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in the wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Of course they didn't, but that's, that's what... That was on their hearts, right? That's, that's a year later. That's after they saw everything that God had done in Egypt. Their first sight of problem, their first, first glimpse of trouble, their first glimpse of a giant and a land, and they buckle under the weight of fear. And so God knew that. He knows who we are, right? My, my sons, they, they love, they've always loved water, and they always love when I share stories about them too, but we'll... <laughs> 
We always talk about that. But they've always loved water, always. And, and I've, I, see, I can see now later as they've grown into the young men, they, they, they still love to swim. And they've been on swim teams for years now. And they're really good at swimming. And they're, they excel at it. And they, they can compete at swimming. So there's a whole other level. But when they were toddlers, they, they loved water, but a little too much. They had no fear of water. They would just run and jump. Right? They just wanted to be in the water. This makes sense. It's the shortest path. You want to be good at swimming, right? As a, as a toddler, you just jump in water, and that's how you swim. That's how you learn. Well, no. We were up at my parents' cottage, which was on a lake, and I remember the first time there, and there was a big dock, and we have a boat and everything, and I remember specifically Gabe just, just running. He's always running everywhere, but he was running up to the dock, but he wasn't stopping. And I was there, and I had to just grab him and kind of picked him up, and his legs were still going. He was just wanted to go in the water, right? Well, of course, that's the, of course he wants to go in the water. It's fun. He, but I knew better, and so there needed to be years of, of training, of swimming with someone, with one of your parents or your grandparents. There need to be swim lessons or life vests. There needs to be a progression here. He wasn't ready for that yet. What would have happened if I just let him jump in the water? And after many gulps and many, you know, going under, he might not ever want to go back to water again. He might want to go back to land and stay there and not adventure out and not participate and not have fun in the water. So I'm so glad I was there to protect him from that, to say, no, no, you're not, you're not ready yet. And God does that for us. The surest path, the safest path is not always the the shortest one for us. But we think we know better, right? A lot of times God takes us the long way because we're, we're not ready yet. We're not ready for our destination yet. Some of us this morning are, are feeling like, well, I really want a relationship. I really want to be married. I really want to... Re- this is... I've, God, I'm ready. I've been ready for a long time. This is an ache in my heart. Why can't you just bring someone to me? If you are prayerful and you are patient, and you are asking the Lord and you're actually obeying him and the things he's telling you, then God will bring someone at the perfect time. If you don't have someone in your life right now, and God has not brought somebody, it's because you're not ready yet, and neither are they. But God, I really want, to, I really want a new job this job, I'm, I'm, I've outgrown it. I don't want this job anymore. Then you pray, and you seek, and you ask, and you get counsel, and you seek the wisdom of the Lord, and you look, and you walk through those doors, and you interview, and if the job doesn't come, then you're not ready yet because God knows what's best for you. You're his beloved child, and he knows where you need to go, and he's maybe taking you the long way because he's teaching you something, and all of us have that. We all have some journey where we want to be there. We can see it. It's easy. Let me just go there, Lord. And God's like, no, I'm going to have you go over there first and then way over there and then maybe come back here and then maybe right next to there and then I'm going to take you back over there again. And, and we get frustrated and we're like, why are you doing this, Father? Because it's, it's not just about being there. It's the person that you are once you arrive there. It's, God wants to do some things in you. And we need to be patient. We need to ask. We need to seek, and we need to be, in our disappointment, seek him some more. I wanted to be, um, after, after, I went to, um, after I went to seminary and after um, many years of pain and physical pain, I really thought God was never going to use me. I just, it's easy, Lord, right? You, you wanted me to do this. You've called me, 
And then I felt like, Lord, why, why aren't you then letting me do what you've called me to do? It's, it's clear to me. This is in me. I didn't make this up. I didn't put these desires in myself. And yet, Lord, I can't seem to get there. Well, it's because you're not ready yet. How, Mike, Mike, how are you going to walk with people through suffering if you haven't suffered yourself? How are you going to do that? What will you say to them? Will you give them a memory verse? God's word is powerful. And God's word can help and God's word can heal. But God also uses his people to help and to heal, to love one another, encourage one another. And so when I read these scriptures now and I give someone a verse, it's, it has a foundation of pain behind it. It has a foundation of life and of experience. And so there's, there's much more to it now. I'm connected in a way that I never would have been before. And everything that God is taking you through, he's going to use later for his glory and for someone else's good. All of it. Nothing is wasted. Not a single experience, not a single pain, not a single hurt. Your father knows he knows, he sees you. So God knows us and he, he grows us accordingly. Right? He grows us according to where we're at, where we need to go. He knows the pace we need to take. Israel was not ready yet for war. They would turn right around. He knew that. The funny thing is, if you look at verse, uh, the end of verse 18, and the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. I just put a big question mark there as I was reading this. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. If he knew they weren't ready to see war yet, but they were equipped for battle, what does that mean? Well, this, um, in, in the original language, it just means they were in formation. So they were able-bodied, they were in formation, and they were marching boldly. But as a really kind of as a blissfully ignorant child who thinks, yeah, my dad just beat up a lot of other dads, right, in Egypt, and we can take on anything, and we can do whatever. And they were say so were they were in formation, they're marching boldly. But God knew that that was just that was a they weren't they weren't quite there yet. Their faith hasn't been tested enough yet. They weren't as soon as they would see war, they were they'd be you know they'd have their all their arms and their swords, and they'd be chest out. And then as soon as they see the Philistines, they would have just dropped everything and walked away. Right. They, would have, they would have cowardly run away. And so that's kind of how we are at times. Lord, I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that ministry. I'm ready to do this. Right? I've seen that guy preach before. I've seen that guy teach before. I, I, can, I can do a better job than him. I can do a better job. Well, it's not about you doing a better job. How's your character? What does your life look like? Are you qualified to minister in those ways or not? God's after the heart, right? Not after just the things that you can do. And so the necessary way is not always the nearest way. God knows us. He grows us. He protects us often from ourselves. That's the first thing we see. God goes before us. He, he sees the dangers ahead, and he knows his people. Do you, see how his, do you see how he's caring for them, how much he loves them? He knows what they, what they need. He's kind of sheltering their eyes from things they're not quite ready for yet. It's a beautiful picture of a loving father. The next section seems kind of out of place, but it's not. Verse 19, Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. 
this was a this was an amazing. I, I kind of was a little. Why is this in here? Is it just kind of an afterthought? Or no, it just shows the depth of God's faithfulness. And it, and it, I love this picture. Moses was keeping the promise made by his forefathers. They solemnly swore to take Joseph's bones. You remember the story, we went through the, the story in Joseph's life in Genesis 37 through 50. And it's amazing to me that after 400 years, Moses kept his word. Israel kept their word. And God in his providence used, remember how he, he used Joseph to, to bring the Hebrews, there was only 70 of them, to Egypt to save them from famine. And then Joseph was there, and Joseph died, and he made a promise. But what, what was his last, what was kind of his dying words? If you remember in Genesis 50, 24 through 26, he says, And Joseph said to his brothers, I'm about to die, but God will visit you and bring you up out of this land to the land that he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So Joseph, his dying, he, what is he thinking about? Himself? No, he's thinking about his, his, his family and he's thinking about the promises of God and that God was going to bring them out of this land of Egypt and back to their homeland, to the promised land. It says, Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died being 110 years old. They embalmed him. He was put in a coffin in Egypt. And then we see in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews 11.22, it says, by faith, Joseph. And then did it talk about all the other faithful acts of Joseph being thrust into slavery, right? Being put into prison and just his faithful walk, not complaining, not grumbling, doing what the Lord asked him to do, being faithful to serve others, to grow in his skill. That was a winding route, right? Extremely winding. Like he didn't know what was going to happen next. His life was stripped from him and God gave him a new life. And God was glorified through it. Where was, where was the faithful component that was, was kind of sticking out for us in Hebrews 12? By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. This is a faithful man who, who believed God. He believed him. This is what God said, God's going to do it. Why? Because Joseph walked in light of that his whole life. He saw God working time and again. Faithfully, He remembered the dreams that he had when he was at home. God gave him those dreams. God fulfilled those dreams. God's faithful. God went before him. God brought him through all of that. God was going before his people, and he had faith in it. And then out of curiosity, I'm thinking, well, somewhere in the desert, somewhere, they had to, they had to just drop that thing. They just, we're burying it here. We're not carrying this coffin around. For another, it's been 20 years. We've got 20 more to go. This, this guy's heavy. His bones are heavy. I don't want to carry this. I don't know if they took him out of the coffin or if they put him in. I don't know what they did, but they're, they're carrying this around. Did they actually make it? Right? So I was looking for that. And in Joshua 24, verse 32, they did. It says, As for the bones of Joseph, which the people of Israel brought up from Egypt, they buried them at Shechem in the piece of land that Jacob bought from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of money. It became an inheritance of the descendants of Joseph. So Joseph's bones made it. And I'm thinking about this. <clears throat> Why was this important? Why was this in here? Obviously, Joseph is a big figure, and he had a big chunk of Genesis. The story was devoted to his life, his life not for his own purposes, but to glorify God. God was showing what he could do through a man who's faithful. 
But the bigger thing here is that God keeps his promises. He's faithful to keep his promises. Joseph saw it. Joseph even knew God was going to be, he will surely visit you. And you're going to carry my bones up out of here because God's, of course, going to win. He's going to take you out of this place. What a beautiful picture, kind of a physical um, expression of faith that Israelites would be carrying around with them throughout the desert. And I can just, I can just, I just wonder, I just get in, this is what I do. I just think a lot and imagine what, what would take place, but they're carrying this, this casket, this coffin, and maybe it's, maybe it's, you know, five or six people at a time. Maybe they're using poles. I don't know how they were doing it. Maybe it's on carts, but, but they they have this physical manifestation, this expression of faith wandering around the desert with them. And I can imagine them, picking this thing up for another day and walking and just grumbling against God. Why is God not faithful? Where is his faithful? When's he going to show that he's faithful? When is he going to come through? And while they're carrying this, this, this coffin full of the bones of this faithful man who said that God was going to do what he's doing right now. And I was thinking, how, how does that equate to us today? What would be an example of that? And, um, I just picture us, you know, we're in our car and we're, we're just complaining to the Lord about provision. Father, why don't you provide for me? You know, I just don't have enough money, Father, and I, I just don't know what to do and I'm just confused and my, I, I don't make enough. Should I switch my job? But Lord, I just need more money. Everyone else has more money. Everyone else has more things and I just, I just need more. And Father, and, oh, one second, Lord. Yeah, I'll take a number one. It's a, yeah, without, without pickles. And then, uh, can I get fries and, and do you have that, uh, the new, uh, mac and cheese you guys are doing at Chick-fil-A? Yeah, let's, let's do that and do a large coke. What kind of, what kind of shake do you have? Oh, you got, oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I'll take that and, okay, I think that's it. Yeah, 45, 26. Okay, I'll see you up there. Right? And we're, so we're complaining the whole time and we have everything. We're, we have, we're in a nice car and we're driving to Chick-fil-A for the 20th time during the week and we're spending all of our money on amazing food and, we complain about stuff while we have everything, everything we need. We shouldn't be living like this. This is not pleasing to the Lord. We're carrying around the faithfulness of God in our own lives. Look at what Jesus Christ did for us, and the promises he gave us. We have the Holy Spirit indwelling us. He's never left us. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't depart from you. He has called you out, and he's with you as you walk, and he will bring you home. That's his promise. So why are we grumbling about everything? You are a living testimony to the grace of God. And yet our our bodies are failing. We have health issues. We have work issues. We have family issues. We have all these things. Yeah, God never said it was going to be an easy journey. In fact, he said it was going to be very difficult. But not to fear, because he's with us. To have faith, because Jesus has overcome the world. Do you want to see your faith increase? Then it needs to be tested. (laughs) It's not faith if it's not tested. Do you really believe in the unseen, the things that God has said to us, the things he's promised us? Then you need to walk in light. You need to get through all those difficult things through dependence on the Lord, looking to him. He will lead you. He will guide you. He will show you. 
I always just think it's amazing they have these pillar of cloud and pillar of fire, all of these miracles, God's the manna from heaven, and he provides everything that they need. And yet their hearts are just continually hard and grumbling toward him, the living God, who rescued them out of slavery. And what do they want to do? As soon as things get hard, what do they, they want to go back to bondage, to the very thing they cried out to him for. They want to go back. What a lie that Satan feeds us. When things get hard, what do you want to do? This is too hard. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to that relationship. I'm going to go back to that website. I'm going to go back to that old place, that old job, that old home, that old person, whatever it is. You, you want to go back to the things that you think are comfortable, that give you life, and they don't. They just take it from you. They're lies. God makes promises. God keeps promises. He's faithful to do that. Taking Joseph's bones with them was an act of respect and reverence and keeping a promise. But ultimately, it was just an expression of faith that God's doing the exact thing that he said he would do. Joseph knew that. The people need to know that. The last section here, verse 21, this is important. And the Lord went before them. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. It did not depart from before the people. So what is this pillar of cloud and pillar of fire? Obviously another miraculous manifestation of God's grace for his people. Here's a few um, passages, though. If you want to write these down, you can go and take a look at other instances where the pillar of cloud, pillar of fire are are referenced. Ultimately, what we see throughout um, God's um, preparing and then leading and then creating a people for himself and being with his people, we see God wanting to be present with his people. We see some theophanies. We talked about that with the, the, the burning bush. So the angel of God, who was God himself, appearing to Moses in this burning bush in a flame. Even before that, in Abraham, when he was making his covenant, there was a, there was a smoking fire pot, right, and a flaming torch that went between. And later we see just these, this idea of cloud and smoke and fire on the, on the mountain of God. We see God's presence uh, when we see fire and when we see cloud. And here's some other instances where, um, where the same is, is mentioned. Uh, Exodus 14, so just really on the same page probably for most of you in your Bible, if you look over on verse 19, 14, 19, says then, and, this, and we'll get to this in a couple of weeks, but um, this is just applicable for this morning. Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel. So now it's the angel of God going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them. So this is when God hardens Pharaoh's heart one last time. Pharaoh and his army, are, they're coming after uh, the Israelites and kind of have them trapped between the desert and the, and the Red Sea. Says the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. And so what we, we see the angel of God in this cloud, in this pillar of cloud, actually going from before them, going behind them. Why? To protect them. This is God's presence protecting his people. 
other instances. Exodus 33, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read a few, but you can write them down if you like. Exodus 33, 9, when Moses entered the tent, so the tent of meeting later on, when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak to Moses. So in this instance, we have a pillar of cloud that the Lord is occupying, the Lord is present, and he's speaking to Moses through this pillar. Exodus 40, 36 through 37. Throughout all their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, they did not set out until the day that it was taken up. Numbers chapter 9, verse 17. And whenever the cloud lifted from over the tent, after that the people of Israel set out. And in the place where the cloud settled down, there the people of Israel encamped. Numbers 12, verses 5 and 6. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. The Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forward and he talked to them. Deuteronomy 31, 15 through 16. And the Lord appeared in in the tent in a pillar of cloud. And the pillar of cloud stood over the entrance of the tent. And he talked to Moses again. Psalm 99, 7, the psalmist says, In the pillar of the cloud he spoke to them. They kept his testimonies and the statute that he gave them. And then a big one is in Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 9. So Nehemiah is, this, this book is taking place at the end of the Babylonian captivity. So Israel, God's people are in exile. Um, God is bringing them back. They built the wall again in Jerusalem. The the word of God is being put back before the people. They are worshiping. They are obviously hungry for the Lord again. And in chapter 9, the people actually confess their sin before God. And here's a a passage starting in verse 6, chapter 9, verse 6, where they're praising the Lord and blessing his name. They said, you are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them, and the host of heaven worships you. You are the Lord, the God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and gave him the name Abraham. You found his heart faithful before you and made with him the covenant to give his offspring the land of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, and the Gigershite. And you have kept your promise, for you are righteous. And you saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry at the Red Sea and performed signs and wonders against Pharaoh and all his servants and all the people of his land. For you knew that they acted arrogantly against our fathers. So they're recounting what just happened here in this, in this story. And you made a name for yourself as it is to this day. Wasn't that God's goal? Wasn't that his purpose? He made a name for himself. They can't forget this event. It was too amazing. And you divided the sea before them so that they went through the mists of the sea on dry land and you cast their pursuers into the depths as a stone into mighty waters. Verse 12, by a pillar of cloud, you led them in the day and by a pillar of fire in the night to light for them the way in which they should go. You came down from Mount Sinai and spoke with them from heaven and gave them rules, right rules and true laws, good statutes and commandments. And you made known to them your holy Sabbath and commanded them commandments and statutes and a law by Moses, your servant. You gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought water for them out of the rock for their thirst. 
And you told them to go and to possess the land that you swore to give them. But they and our fathers acted presumptuously and stiffened their neck and did not obey your commandments. They refused to obey and were not mindful of the wonders that you performed among them. But they stiffened their neck and appointed a leader to return their, to their slavery in Egypt. So this is what we were just talking about. They wanted to return to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God ready to forgive gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and did not forsake them. Even when they made for themselves a golden calf and said, this is your God who brought you up out of Egypt and had committed great blasphemies, you and your great mercies did not forsake them in the wilderness. The pillar of cloud to lead them in the way did not depart from them by day, nor the pillar of fire by night to light for them the way by which they should go. You gave your good spirit to instruct them and did not withhold your manna from their mouth and gave them water for their thirsts. Forty years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell. This is the, this is the God that we serve. Notice that even when they were faithless, even when they did things that were rebellious toward the Lord, God did not forsake them. They belonged to him. He loved them. He called them out, and he will completely take care of them. And so we see this picture of a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, and we see some sense of another theophany taking place, and that God is in the midst, the angel of God. God is there. God is providing. God is protecting, right? Do you believe that as he's called you out of bondage, slavery to sin, called you as a people for himself, called you as the church, head is the Christ, that he will protect you, that God will lead you. He will lead you by day. He will lead you by night. Right? He will provide for you in every way. In Psalm 105, the, the cloud is said to have spread and provide a cover for his people. And so there's a sense that the cloud was not just for directions. It wasn't just God's version of GPS or something that was really cool. It was There was purpose in it, right? The cloud, if, if you ever... I mean, you've been in the heat before, but a desert heat all day, every day for that many years, that cloud was also spread out. It was prote- providing protection for his people. I remember going to little league games or going to flag football games or just being outside for a long period of time in, in, the, in the extreme heat of the day. You start out really, really excited because there's clear skies. You're like, this is awesome. Clear skies, not a cloud in the sky. By, by 11 o'clock or noon, you're begging for clouds, right? Please, Lord, just let one cloud and you have 12 parents with their chairs trying to hide behind a, behind like a, like a little pine tree or something, right? Trying to find, can I have the shade for a couple minutes? And then you, you trade off. And then there's that one family that's just too smart and they bring their like half dome tent thing and they're sitting in there and they've got their cooler and they're, their ice water and their fans and they're hanging out and the rest of us are huddled over here looking for shade because it's so hot. The heat is just, it's, it's stifling. It's, you just want to get out of it, right? I watched many games from my car's air conditioning, so I just had to park in the right spot. I can see you. So we're good. But think, God, God's provision for them, not only a cloud that was visible, but a cloud that helped them. And then fire by night. There's nothing that's specific in here, but we would presume that the fire would help with heat in the same way, or maybe the keeping animals away. If you've ever camped or been backpacking or hiking, and that fire at night is, is, a, is a comfort, right? It's a place to rest, but providing heat because it's going to get cold, something to cook over. 
perhaps keeping animals in those, uh, those eyes from getting any closer that are in the woods. God's providing for them. He's leading them. He's providing. He's protecting them. The, the cloud went around them. Right? The angel of the Lord went to the other side of them and put a wall up so that no one could meet during that time until God was ready. He's protecting them. And to me, it would provide a lot of comfort as well, knowing that God is there, being able to see him, waking up in the middle of the night and seeing that pillar of fire. Okay, he's still there. Taking that step in the middle of the day when things are so hot and seeing that pillar of cloud, okay, God's still there. Remember, they don't know where they're going. They've never been there before. There's no worn path. There's no signage. There's no, you know, this way to the promised land. Stop by the gift shop before you go in. There, we don't have, here, we're, everything's marked to the nth degree, and you never you can rarely get lost. But they didn't know. They, they really had to abide and trust in him for every step. And they had to follow. They couldn't just sit back. God still does that for us today as his people. He leads, he provides, he protects, and he comforts. How does he do that? One of the biggest ways is God's word. God leads us by his word. God's word says, go this way, don't go that way. God's word said, this is the safe route, that's not. What's your step right here? Right? God is speaking to us through his word. And he's speaking to us by his spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, he is God. He's not an impersonal force. There is a there is an error that we do as, as believers in that if if one stream of Christianity, if a, if an ultra charismatic stream is over here, and they're all about the Holy Spirit and they're doing things that are unhealthy or unwise, and we know that just aren't good, then then the Holy Spirit must must be bad or something. And so so let's go way over here and not even talk about him. Let's make sure we don't lift our hands. Make sure we have nothing that, that expresses emotion or like there's, there's an error that takes place versus the wisdom of, of, of the, of God's word. The Holy Spirit is, He is real. He is a person. He is God. He loves you. Jesus sent Him. Jesus went away and sent the comforter, the helper, the advocate for our sake. Read John 14 and read John 15 and it's for us and He indwells us. The scriptures about him indwelling us. Um, 1 Corinthians, let's see, 619. Let's read a couple of these. Sometimes we talk about it, but we don't believe it or we don't live in light of it. Um, First Corinthians 619. We were in this last week a little bit. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? whom you have from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Talking about sexual immorality. Do you not know that your body is a temple? It's a great question because some of us, maybe we, we live as if we don't know. If, if this is not true. We are a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. God gave you his spirit to indwell you. We don't need a physical cloud. We don't need a physical fire anymore. We have the Holy Spirit of God. And we have the word of God and the spirit speaks to us and it comforts us and encourages us. He convicts us. He shows us the way our problem is. We're not listening. Is the cloud is the fire any good? If your eyes are closed, right? No, it's not. And if we allow ourselves to be so distracted that we can't hear God's spirit in us, then how do we keep in step with him? 
How do we stop from grieving him? We will drive and we will follow road signs. That's a one-way street. If I go down the one-way street, I'm going to have a problem. There's going to be an accident. If I go the wrong way, if I, I need to stop here, I need to turn. We will follow road signs. Why? Because there's bodily harm at stake. There's our vehicles at stake. Other people's lives are at stake. But when the Holy Spirit tells us through the prompting and our spirit, through God's word, as we read, he says, don't go that way. Well, I, but I've been that way before, Lord. I can handle that. I'm a really good driver. Trust me, Father. I'm, right? And we think, we presume, we, we err, and we, we sin. And we disobey him. God's given us his spirit. He indwells us. Romans 8, 9. Let's see. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. If you believe in Jesus, if you've given your life, you've, you've confessed with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead, you are saved. You have a seal, you have a promise of the Holy Spirit, and he dwells you, he's in you, and he's there to help you, to show you where to go. And God's word and God's spirit, they work together. As we read God's word, God's spirit confirms the truth of God in our hearts. And I don't care who you are. You don't have to be a charismatic Christian to read God's truth and have the Spirit of God impact your mind and break down in tears and to put your hands up in worship and to be overwhelmed by God's presence and God's grace in your life. Why? Because of the Spirit of God in you. He moves you. He wants, he wants you to be like a son. Did Jesus ever weep and cry for his people? Of course he did. Was Jesus ever angry, but in a righteous way? Of course he was. There's, we, we can grow in holiness, but only by God's spirit. He will teach us how to do that. Whatever you're facing, God's spirit can help you. Listen to him. Talk with him. Thank him. Praise him. The spirit of God, his role is really to, to, to put the spotlight on Jesus, to convict the world of sin, to show them that Christ is the only way. But for us as believers, too, he guides us. He he provides comfort for us. That's that peace that transcends all understanding. That comes from God. We can't manufacture that. All of the fruit of the Spirit, all the things you want to be, you want to be more loving and more kind and good, you want to have more self-control, all those things, God's Spirit does that in you. You can't manufacture that in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. And so in God's word and in God's spirit, he leads us, he provides us, he protects us, he comforts us. And also in in the body of Christ, in the fellowship of believers, there's protection here, there's help here. And and in your eldership, the, the leaders, the shepherds of God's people. Myself, the other shepherds here, the other elders here, our, our goal, our, our heart, our, our calling, our charge is to watch over your souls, to be overseers, to, to watch out for you, to pray for you. Sometimes it's, I get, I struggle with everybody sitting in the same spot all the time because you find your seat, you sit in the same spot. This past week it was actually good because I was praying for some of you and, and then I was in my mental pulpit here, right? 
And now I could, I was like, oh yeah. And they sit there. So I just started going through and praying for people. And I was like, I wonder if I can write down everyone's name from where they sit. And I could. And you're all there right now. It's awesome. So there's, there's one benefit to conformity and finding your seat. And I had not found a benefit yet, but now I have. But that's our job. Is the, that's, our, that's not just our job. It is our calling, but um, it's what we enjoy doing. And the Bible says, Hebrew thirteen seventeen, to God's people, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. This is part of God's grace in providing direction, protection. He never leaves us. So we have his word, we have his spirit, we have his people. He's provided shepherds for you. So as we leave this morning, I just, what excuse do we have? If you came in thinking, I'm not sure if God is for me, I'm not sure if God's with me, I'm not sure if God hears me, I'm not sure if he sees what's going on, the Bible says otherwise. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Jesus said that even as he commissioned his, his disciples and he commissions us, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything I've commanded to you. And behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. He's with us to the end. He will never leave us. So spend some time with the Father today. Spend some time undistracted. Learn to hear from him again. He will speak to you. Read his word. Ask him, Lord, please show me what to do in this situation. Help me to know what's the next thing. And you will have great peace because he's your God and he's in control and he's sovereign. He knows where you're going. He knows exactly your destination. He goes before you. And he loves you and he cares for you and he's faithful to get you there safely. Listen for him. Walk with him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for truth. Thank you that you speak. Sometimes we discount that you speak to us, Lord, and yet when we come here, we're coming here for a reason, to worship you, to sing to you, but many of us just want to hear from you. We, we need help. We're hurting. We desperately need to hear a word from you that is that is unique, that is specific to us, that only you, can, only you can reach those areas of our heart that need to be spoken to. And so I pray that happened this morning for our, everyone in this room, Lord, that in some aspect of this service, Lord, in some, in some way as we worship together through singing and through the ministry of the word and through um, just hearing about our missionaries and the work that they're doing, Lord, that you spoke to all of us personally because you're a personal God, you care for us. You see us. You know where we're going, what we need. You know that the, that the shortest way is not always the best way, Lord. We thank you for that. Help us to be patient. Help us not to disdain the winding, winding route, Lord, the, the, the seemingly endless trek through the desert, Lord. Help us not to 
be frustrated with that or start grumbling. Help us to look to you. And what are we supposed to change, Father? What, what, is, what is wrong in our lives that we might align with your will? Help us to please you in all we do. Test our faith, Lord, but please increase our faith. Help us. Thank you that you will never leave us. You will never depart from us. You never left Israel from the day they stepped foot out of Egypt to the day they stepped into the promised land and onward, Lord. And as believers in Christ, you've given us your Holy Spirit and you will never leave us. You will never depart from us. You will, we will always have everything we need in you. And we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from the Word of God. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to visit Black Forest Chapel in Black Forest, Colorado, near Monument and just north of Colorado Springs. You'll find biblical teaching and authentic worship in an environment that feels like family and friends. Get directions and more information at blackforestchapel.org.